Welcome to 20th Century Boy. My name is Radio Mike, and this is the inside of my mind. Hey guys, how are you? Wow, this has been a huge week. I feel like I say that every week though. Um, but I wanted to launch straight into the podcast this week, and I guess I wanted to talk about how our band, Release the Sounds, put out our second single last week, last Friday, we put out our second single, the Instagram song, Liked My Post, which is a song that I wrote and then me and Jack sort of workshopped it together, and wow, thank you so much to everyone who's watched the video and enjoyed this track, because this track honestly means so much to me. Like, it's so incredible to see a song go from, like, being, you know, an idea in your head to a produced song that you've recorded and shot a music video for. And the music video shoot was amazing, thanks to all the extras who came down to be in it. It was so much fun to do, and it came out so, so well. Um... And essentially, if you didn't grasp it, the song is a comedy song that's a commentary on social media, particularly Instagram, in modern society. Uh, Here's a bit of the chorus. My best friend liked my post. My ex-girlfriend, she liked my post. My high school bully liked my post. And my My mate from work, yeah, he liked my post. And I wanted to take some time out at the top of this week's episode to just talk a little bit about the inspiration and motivation behind recording this song from my end. And I have spoken a little bit about this kind of thing before in episode two of this podcast, which now seems like a very, very long time ago. And it was called What the Hell is Social Media Anxiety? I can't even really remember what I said, but I'll find some audio of something I said that was interesting and cut it in here. I'm always on Instagram scrolling. I'm always worried about, like, how people are perceiving me and that kind of thing. And it just makes everyone so completely self-involved because our whole lives have been branding ourselves and putting across this best version of ourselves online. So I wrote the song last year in November. Um, I just wrote it on my phone when I was on a train in Tokyo. And... Last year, I had, like, a bit of a mental health crisis, a bit of a middle, a quarter-life crisis. A lot of people have them around 24, 25, and I just realised that so much of my life was dictated by how, like, social media went for me and how many likes I had on posts and followers. So much of my life for so long was this anxiety fueled mess that social media was behind. And I just think that social media is, like, I I really like it. I think social media can be great, but I also think it's one of the most dangerous things in our current society. It's so, like, deceptive and wrong on, like, virtually every level. And I feel as though when you engage with social media, often you're engaging in, in 
people's lives, but but obviously only the parts of their lives that they want you to see. No one does an Instagram that's like, oh, just did a shit, kill. No one does that, because why would you? I have genuine concerns for our society where it feels as though everything people do in their free time is for Instagram likes. The first line of the song in the first verse is, well, the first verse is this. I'm traveling through Europe for my friends to see. I'm standing on the beach at Santorini. Do a post on the gram with the caption, take me back. Enticing all my followers to do a double tap. 200 likes, yeah, it's going strong. When I need validation, I turn Insta on. And I feel like there are so many people who seem to be going on holidays around the world and traveling around the world purely to take photos of themselves in landmarks that everybody already knows and then do a like witty caption that gets them likes because it's some kind of pun or play on the name of the city they're in. Like, or like, I don't know, they're in front of the Eiffel Tower and they're like, Definitely not having an Eiffel time in front of the Eiffel Tower. Like, have I don't know, that was shit. But just shit like that. And I just was thinking about it so much. About, like... And, and I'm, I'm certainly not innocent of this. I'm so guilty of this. Like, I've... This has been my whole life, the social media generation. But people are just like... Hey, like, you know, I'm doing this. That's the, the, the entire crux of where we we are at as a society that our whole lives are like look what i'm doing how cool is what i'm doing and you're not doing what i'm doing and i feel like that's just what we all do now and the entire purpose of doing the things that you're actually doing is lost in the sense that you're trying to show everyone how cool it is instead of actually enjoying it like you see it all the time with concerts and gigs and stuff, like, hey, I'm at the Muse concert, here's me filming, you know, their big songs in a shitty fucking mobile phone grainy footage from 50 metres out from the stage, and posting it on my story to show everyone that I'm at this Muse concert, and like, when I see this shit like that on my Instagram stories, on people's Instagram stories, and I've done it, But when I see it, I'm just like, why the fuck would I sit here and watch your story of you at the Post Malone concert, like, a hundred metres away from the stage with him? Like, why would I do that? And why are you filming it? Like, enjoy it in the moment. You can take a photo, but like, who... As if you're ever going to watch back your live video of fucking... You know, I went to Blink-182 in 2013 and I took videos of, like, all their songs. I've never once watched them. In fact, I'm going to find one of them on my old laptop and put the audio of it here and just see how shit it sounds. Yeah, so that was their song, Feelin' This, which is my favourite song by them. Specifically, it was this part of the song, because I doubt you were able to even tell. Short this time. Your smile fades in the summer. It's your 
come like am I ever gonna sit there and watch that and you like you can hear you can imagine how grainy and shit the footage is as if I'm ever gonna go back and be like wow this is the like such a good memory this memory of this fucking shit quality recording I did on my phone where you can barely hear them. Wow, I'm so glad I filmed that video instead of enjoying it in the moment. And you know what? I don't remember that song in the moment because I was fucking filming it. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't have a solid memory of me hearing my favourite song live because I tried to film it on my phone to produce this piece of shit you just heard. I'm very cynical about social media which is why I like to poke fun of the conventions of it, I suppose. Like, celebrity sightings, that's the second verse of the, of the, of the song. I saw the guy from MasterChef on the street. A photo from my Instagram would be sweet. I asked for a selfie and he says, yes, you're the best, Gary Megan, first celebrity guest. And just generally, our, like, weddings and everything, it's just like, look what we're doing. Look what we did. How fucking cool are we? And it's just like, but you're not. Like, I, I don't know. I'm so cynical about it. And that's when, like, my favorite part of the song, well, Jack comes in and does this incredible bridge, uh, which is, you know, highlighting that people genuinely get fucked up anxiety over Instagram. I posted a photo of me waiting at the airport, but it didn't do as well as I originally thought. 20 likes in an hour, that's the worst that I've had. I need something new so that I can bounce back. It's actually crazy. The fact that not enough people are interacting with you on Instagram that you feel like you're alone and uncomfortable and people don't like you. It's ludicrous. It's unbelievable. Social media is just so crazy. And then my favourite part of the song, which is when I come in with this verse, which, you know, maybe is a little bit OTT, but I just think it's fucking hilarious. Grandma's just died, so I do a post. To say sayonara to my grandma ghost, I sneak a photo of the casket so my family don't see. I chuck it on the gram, broken heart emoji. It's only been up 10 minutes and the lights are insane. Gran will be glad she didn't die in vain. And just to clear it up, I have obviously I have no issue with people doing tributes to people who have died on Instagram, but at the same time, I do find it interesting. Because it's like a psychology thing of when you post that photo. Are you posting it for yourself or are you posting it so other people can see what you've said and express their sympathy to you based on what you've said? Are you, are you posting it for other people or for yourself? And either way, why do you have to post it in that public forum? It's very interesting behavior. Humans are very interesting and very weird when it comes to this kind of thing. What's the most fucked up thing you've seen someone post on Instagram? I want to know. Send it in to the socials. Or call 1-800-GET-FUCKED, the, the, the phone number for this podcast. I'm very interested. I once saw a girl post a photo of herself with her ex-boyfriend who she had broken up with after a very bad relationship with the caption. It was something like, so happy to be out of this terrible relationship. Hashtag thank you next. It was a picture of her and the ex-boyfriend and she's gone so happy that this is a, like, that's just attention seeking. I don't know. I, and so I had this midlife, this quarter life crisis and I was just like, fuck, like I can't actually deal with the anxiety that being on this, these apps give me. And 
why do I feel like I have to be so hurt when, you know, I don't get enough likes on my posts. And I'm so glad that Instagram removed likes because that stress is just gone now. And now you just post stuff you want to post. And you know people are seeing it and you don't even care if they like it or not because it doesn't matter. Your value is not represented by the amount of likes that you get on your posts. It's not, and it never has been. You have value completely externally to your Instagram account. And people forget that because our phones are such big parts of our lives now. So I have this crisis and I'm like, fuck, like I was just like so lost. I I deleted Instagram. A few people actually noticed it. Like I deleted my Instagram account. This is like a year ago now. And then I was just like, I need to like get out of Melbourne. Because I realized that I just wasn't functioning on a level that I should have been. And I was able to be like, this is, and I was able to trace it back to like my dependency on social media. And I went to, I went to Tokyo because I love it there. Still need to do a podcast episode about it. And yeah, halfway through the trip, like I just started writing this song about how fucking stupid Instagram is. And it's not all bad. Instagram's really fun. Social media is really fun, but it's, but, but what you should remember is it's not the platforms themselves that are fun. It's not, it's not Instagram that's fun. It's the, it's the interaction that you have with your real life friends that's fun. It isn't the app that's giving you joy. It's the, the fun and the memes and the, and the, the comments and the photos and the entertainment that your friends are posting or the people you like are posting. Just remember that because I forgot that. And these apps began to be a curse as opposed to a way for me to interact with my friends. That's why I wrote this song. And I'm really happy with the feedback it's gotten. It's awesome. Often I feel as though social media can bring out the worst in people. And it makes us jealous and it makes us uncomfortable and it makes us learn information that we maybe shouldn't have learned or didn't want to learn um, that impacts our mental health. And social media can be dangerous. I think that sometimes you need to reassess what you're doing and whether your life is becoming content for your Instagram page, which sometimes can be okay, but you just got to remember that like real life is so much better than Instagram. I guess now I try to use it as a platform for me to market what I'm doing and then post like funny stuff or stuff that I find funny. But yeah, I guess overall I feel slightly negative towards it still, but I feel like my relationship to social media has changed a lot in the past 12 months, primarily because I made an active decision to understand the way it was affecting my brain and my dopamine levels and my brain's reward system and actually find sources of those things through other means that weren't how many people were liking my posts on Instagram. And I think we should all endeavour to be more aware of those things. But yeah, thanks to all the feedback uh, for all of the music. So many people writing in saying that it's super catchy. 
Radio Creed wrote in and said, Love the new song. Very 90s. Welcome to the Radio Family. Radio Laos wrote in. Welcome to the Radio Family, Radio Laos. She says, I had the song stuck in my head last night. Thank you because it replaced Limp Biscuit that I had stuck in my head for two hours. I, I sincerely apologize that Limp Biscuit was ever in your head. Radio Madeline Hay wrote in, welcome to the Radio Family. She said, these songs, keep these songs coming. They make my week. There are much more songs coming. But one of my favorite uh, messages came, came from Radio James Duggan. Welcome to the Radio Family, Radio James Duggan. He said, I related to the new track on a personal level and sent me a photo of him that he posted on Instagram with Gary Meekin. Uh, which did speak to me on, which which was hilarious because that's exactly what happens in the song. Great stuff. Funnily enough, my friend Josh Perring is doing a comedy show at the Melbourne Fringe at the moment. Definitely check it out this weekend if you want just a really funny show. Um, he's a really funny guy. But he, do- he did this bit that I loved, which is about how Instagram girls talk about cities like they're people. Like, see you later, Switzerland. <laughs> miss you, miss you already. Just shit like that, which so many people do, and it's so lame. Like, take me back. That the caption that people do, where they're like, "Take me back," and it's a photo of them in Santorini, and it's like, why are you captioning this? Take me back, because no one on Instagram can take you back. The only person that can take you back is you. If you work a job and earn enough money to pay for a flight, you can go back whenever you want. There's no point captioning your photo, take me back. Oh, what a time in my life. Take me back. Like, that's not that's not how it works. You have to save up money and then you can go whenever you want. Anyway, it just frustrates me. Radio Superstar Paolo, and welcome to the Radio Family. He said, I love the new song. It made me think of Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared, which is great. Nice melody, and I love the way it's sung, and the lyrics are great. Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared. That's a great, great, an honour to be compared to that song. So Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared is this really eerie, weird, creepy YouTube video that kind of starts out like a, uh, I guess, a children's TV show. There's like puppet characters, like like Muppet kind of characters singing songs and doing stuff, but very quickly it turns into this thing that seems to be making a deeper commentary about the media industry, um, where, like, you know, lots of bleeding and guts and gore. So you, you should watch this video. It's very difficult to explain, and it's very eerie. Um, I'll put a bit of audio from it here just so you can get a vibe of it. What's your favourite idea? Mine is being creative. How do you get that idea? I just try to think creatively. Now, when you look at this orange... Tell me, please, what do you see? It's just a boring old orange. Maybe to you, but not to me. Super crazy, and the I think a lot of the commentary of it is that a lot of um, children's entertainment is, you know, manufactured um, and deliberately produced to give messages to children that certain people want to give to children. Yeah, and that everything you see on TV is kind of a lie. But you're kind of welcome to interpret it however you want, I think. It's just a really creepy and strange satirical kind of piece that's available on YouTube. Well, sometimes this podcast gets serious. But sometimes I feel like it's worth having these conversations because I think some people just avoid talking about how these things avoid our lives. Yeah, so I'm 
I'm interested in in people's thoughts. I'd love to hear your thoughts. But that being said, I'm joined by intern Mike, who's uh, here today. Ed of the Mike is still taking time off the podcast at the moment. He's moved in with his new girlfriend, Siri, so they're just having some quiet time. Uh, intern Mike, what do you think about social media? Um, w- well, I, I I have I used to have MySpace, and this guy from my school took a photo of me and put it on his MySpace and said, I hate this guy. And I thought it was really mean, so I told one of the teachers, and the teacher just said, well, uh, maybe if you don't want him to do that, you shouldn't be such a cunt. And I just thought, oh, that's really mean. But he's still got it on his MySpace, which sucks. I thought they didn't have MySpace anymore. Like, I didn't think it was still a thing. No, it is. Everyone at school uses it, and we all, like comment and do like pick comments for pick comments and stuff like that but yeah social media is really fucked cool siggy mike you're here as well uh your thoughts on social media my friend yeah no it's fuck because like i like i had facebook once and this chick her name was um like fucking manda or some shit and she fucking she messaged me and she's like hey come to my house tonight and i was like yeah sick i go over to her house i bring like a pack of ciggies just in case she wants to smoke up with me and fucking I get there I knock on the door she answers she goes what are you doing here because I, I went to school with her and I was like well you messaged me and said like come over to my house and she was like oh fuck I was meant to message Damo and Damo was like my best friend from school and I was like well what should we do and she's like well you gotta go I'm inviting Damo over so I just went home by myself and just smoked a pack of durries and fucking Damo went over to Manda's house it was fucked so that's just like the dangers of social media. You can sometimes just fucking send the, same, the wrong message to someone and just end up in a situation like that that you just don't want to be in. That's that's I don't I don't know if that's quite what we're talking about here, Siggy Mike. But thank you for your input, mate. It's, this is like the dangers of social media. You don't want to get caught in a situation where you're going over a chick's house. She actually meant to invite Damo from school. You never want that. Yeah, no, that's. That must have been very embarrassing for you, Siggy Mike. I'm sorry that you had to go through that. Um, but it, yeah, not 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 really related to what we're talking about on the podcast today. Yeah, well, I fucking disagree. Yeah, well, it's my podcast, so we'll probably just cut this out. Moving on with the podcast, an amazing thing happened over the last week that a lot of you know about. So let's do this. One man, one podcast, the radio family, and one listener with a telecommunications company. $250. This is 20th Century Boys Quest for 100. Get fucked. You guys, the radio family, successfully raised enough money to start a phone number called 1 800 Get Fucked. This podcast now owns the phone number 1 800 Get Fucked. 1 800 G E T F K D. 1 800 438 353. And we bloody love it. Uh, you can call the number at any time and leave a voice message. The idea was you guys can leave voice messages about the things we talk about in the show and I can cut it straight into the podcast. It goes into my email inbox. A lot of people evidently have been testing it out this week, which is great. We have had over 100 calls to 1-800-GET-FUCKED. And a lot of you have been leaving voice messages. Uh, some of you are just seem to be uh, like hearing what it says, which I won't say here, give it a call, see what it says, leave me a message. Some of you are just listening and then hanging up, so I get like a one second file that's just like a phone hanging up. Some of you just record yourselves laughing and then hang up. Some people, one person 
left a voicemail that was just the entirety of the steamed ham scene from The Simpsons. Uh, I'll cut a bit of it here. You call hamburgers steamed hams? Yes, it's a regional dialect. Uh Uh-huh. What region? Uh, upstate New York. Really? Well, I'm from Utica, and I've never heard anyone use the phrase steamed hams. Oh, not in Utica. No, it's an Albany expression. I see. So someone has just called the number, held their phone up to their laptop playing the steamed ham scene from The Simpsons and just left it. It was like a three-minute message that took ages to load. Um, So that was funny. But instead of just doing like, you know, instead of just posting a couple of the messages here... I wanted to celebrate the birth of a brand new phone number, 1-800-GET-FUCKED, by doing a highlights package of all of the wonderful voice messages that you people have left. So, without further ado, here's what you guys have said on 1-800-GET-FUCKED. 1-800-GET-FUCKED is finally up and running, and a few people were really excited to get onto the answering machine and leave a friendly message. Hey Mike, it's Mike, just testing this out. Um, Alright, see you man. This is the first ever message on 1800.fucked. Woo! Cool! Well done! Woo! Alright, see ya. First voicemail for 1800.fucked. Woohoo! But despite the initial excitement, one early caller was particularly unimpressed. I hope that this costs you so much money for every single phone call that you receive. And one caller just seemed to not really know what to say. Hey, I'm just washing my teeth. And one of you just didn't say anything for 35 seconds, which led to a voicemail that sounded like this for 35 seconds. I was beginning to think this may have all been a big waste of time until we got our first celebrity caller. Uh, hi, Mike. This is Jack uh, from your band, Release the Sounds. Just wondering what day you want me to come on your podcast to promote the album. Um, best wishes. Speak to you soon. But sadly, most of the voice messages were just you guys hurling abuse at me via voice message. Yeah, get fucked, Mike, you dog. Yeah, Mike, it's Mike Nolan here. Yeah, you fucking same thing. Yeah, I just called you to tell you to get fucked, mate. Oi, Mike, get fucked. Yeah, get fucked. Fucking fucking idiot. Fuck. Get fucked. Fuck, Mike. Um, 1-800-GET-FUCKED. Get fucked, mate. Honestly, fucking life. Yeah, g'day, Radio Mike. Um, Radio Jesse here, just here to tell you to Get fucked. Really happy that you uh, got the phone line going, but um, yeah, go fuck yourself. Oh yeah, good day, Mike. It's just uh, old mate Tuggy Savoy here just telling you to get fucked. Hey man, get fucked. This guy even added a personal insult to his message. Go fuck yourself, you human looking Shrek. Wow, that really hurt my feelings, anonymous stranger that listens to my podcast, I assume. But if by human-looking Shrek you mean handsome man who doesn't look like an ogre anymore and is surprisingly good-looking, then yes, I am a human-looking Shrek. But perhaps one of the most inexplicably polite messages came from Radio Nacho Cheese, who I don't believe has ever contributed to the show before this. 
Yeah, g'day everyone, it's uh, Radio Nacho Cheese here, uh, 7.30am on a Monday morning and I uh, just wanted to say uh, good morning to Radio Mike and the Radio family and uh, have a good week everyone, cheers. Everyone at 1-800-GET-FUCKED was at a loss. It didn't seem like anyone was actually using the phone number to contribute to the show, which was the original point of buying the number. And these fears became even worse when someone called up saying this. Hi, I was just, I was just wondering if I could order one of those chicken burgers with a side of uh, get fucked. As well as this voicemail, which made absolutely no sense to me. So, um, just wondering, right? Um, do you by chance sell spaghetti? Like, um, I've been looking all around Melbourne for a good spaghetti place, but I just can't seem to find anywhere. Now, my wife recently left me and... All she left me with was a tin of spaghetti and a dog. And I'm just wondering if I can just get some more spaghetti. Because I can't touch I spaghetti. But overall, I think the strangest voicemails we had come in came from either a drunken Irishman who somehow stumbled upon the number and was very confused, or one of you pretending to be a drunken Irishman who stumbled upon the phone number and was very confused because this guy called in three times and said things like this. Good evening to you. Is that one eight hundred Galby Fox? Oh, here, I called the other night, but unfortunately I didn't get... Did it get through to anybody at the time? There's a card, so I have to try again. The message actually continues for several more minutes, so please enjoy this sped up version of the rest of this incomprehensible voice message that was left on 1 800 Get Fucked. I just want to say that I want to wish you all the best. For a great evening, evening ahead. I hope that it's been a really productive evening for you because I have been productive since about nine o'clock this morning. And I seem to have got absolutely fuck all done. <laughs> anyway, right now, I better be off because there's more things to be done around here. I haven't finished. And if it's not finished, my mother will get around. I'm on the phone, mother. Stop interrupting me. I'm on the phone. Have a cup of Sorry about that. She can be really rude sometimes. Anyway, I hope you have a lovely evening. And I will probably have the same time tomorrow. I hope that your business hours have changed by then. Good evening to you all. And tomorrow, I'm good night. See you then. Wow, that's fucked, and I hope you're okay, drunken Irishman that called 1-800-GET-FUCKED, and I hope you're all okay, and thank you so much for contributing to 1-800-GET-FUCKED. Keep those calls coming, we can't wait to hear from you soon. So a lot of you haven't even left your names, or your, like, I don't even know who you are. I guess if you're doing it in future to actually contribute to the show, which I do hope happens, I hope we haven't done all of this just so people can say, get fucked. Say your name and, like, then say what you've got to say. Hopefully we get more of these. You can always just attach them via an audio message in my email inbox. That's fine as well. That's the kind of thing we've gotten so far. Well, pretty much the only thing. No one has done a legitimate response to anything on the show. I would like to get a bit of that happening, but... Eh, who's complaining? Okay, so moving forward this week, there's a segment that we actually have not done on this show for a very long time, and it's one of, possibly one of the most popular segments on the show, and it's called this. Radio Mike's Rhyme Crime. It's Rhyme Crime, where we expose 
rhyme crimes from popular music artists uh, where they rhyme the same word with the same word in a song. Now, the downfall of this segment was when Radio Brody rang into the show to discuss how he felt about rhyme crimes, and he said this. A few of them have had rhyme crimes where the word that's been accused of being rhyme is actually a precursor to an actual rhyme. So, so wait, are you saying that some of the rhyme crimes in our segment Rhyme Crime are being reported as rhyme crimes, but they're not really rhyme crimes? Is that what you're saying? Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. This was a massive international scandal for the podcast, and the entire segment of Rhyme Crime was completely undermined. But we're glad that Radio Brody called in to explain this to us and make us accountable for our actions. The week after, we actually had to free a lot of the people we had arrested on rhyme crimes, uh, such as Eminem and Avril Lavigne. We actually had to free them from rhyme jail. And the next week we had Eminem on the podcast uh, to speak all about his experiences uh, with his rhyme crime incident which was uh, a massive exclusive for the show. This week, you guys have submitted a rhyme crime, and I think enough time has passed that we can uncancel rhyme crime. And Radio Gabriel, welcome to the Radio Family, Radio Gabriel. He's written in to me via email, and take 20 mic points for this. He says, hey, Radio Mike, I've got another rhyme crime for you, and this one is fresh. Post Malone recently released his new album, and on his album is a song called Die For Me. In the chorus, he commits a massive rhyme crime, but I'll let you listen to the song to find out. Thanks. Radio Jabe. Oh, so it's radio- his name's Gabriel, but he goes by Radio Jabe. And thank you for writing in, Radio Jabe, and I haven't yet listened to the song. I'm going to have my first listen to it live on the podcast to respond to it. So we, instead of saying that Post Malone is has committed a rhyme crime, we are going to decide live right here if it classifies as a rhyme crime or not. Let's take a listen to the song, the chorus of the song, Die For Me by Post Malone. Said you die for me, you die for me, you die for me. But you lied to me, you lied to me, you lied to me. Said you die for me, you die for me, you die for me. But you lied to me, you lied to me, you lied to me. Okay, interesting. So I think... What you're classifying as the rhyme crime is him saying, you die for me, you die for me, you die for me, but you lied to me, you lied... See, and this is a this is one that's on the fence, because this is the same... The re- Eminem's rhyme crime... Well, no, Avril Lavigne's rhyme crime was, he was a skater boy, she said, see you later, boy, and my comment was that boy and boy rhymed. A boy and boy was the same word, therefore it was a rhyme crime. However, Brody argued that the rhyme was actually skater boy and later boy, which I agree with. So I think your argument, Radio Jabe, is that me rhymes with me. But I think the rhyme that Post Malone is going for is die for me and lied to me, which again, like I think this is a little bit of a stretch, but I'll leave it up to you guys. Post in the... um. I might do a poll in the podcast group on Facebook, facebook.com slash group slash 20th Century Boy, to see if we can figure this one out once and for all, Um, because I think this is on the fence. However, Post Malone is not fully cleared of his actions, because I stumbled upon an email that came in in May, no, 
Yeah, May from Radio Atomic Lukai. Uh, welcome again to the Radio Family. Take 20 mic points. He said, hey, Radio Mike, I found a rhyme crime. This is from the song Sunflower by Post Malone featuring Swali. Swali rhymes the word wreck with wreck and deserves at least two years in rhyme jail. Let's take a listen to this. Calling it quiz now, baby, I'm a wreck. Crash at my place, baby, you're a wreck. Now look, this isn't Post Malone, it is Swali in a Post Malone song. However, Post Malone, like, this is a rhyme crime. I think this has got to be a rhyme crime. Like, one of the most glaring ones we had was Guy Sebastian's Choir, in which he commits this monstrosity. Too busy to call, we'll catch up next week, and then it gets to next week, and we say maybe next week. And I think this is equally as bad. And Post Malone, it's not you singing, but you approved this in your song and put it out on your new album, Hollywood is bleeding, or Hollywood's bleeding, or whatever the fuck it's called, and in the Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse soundtrack, I think you and Swali, I think Swali is the main rhyme crimer here. You're going away for two years, Swali. I have no idea what other songs you're a part of, but you're going away for two years for this one. Post Malone, I'm going to give you a warning, because two people have written in with songs that they believe you're rhyme criming on, Going to give you a warning for this one, because it wasn't you, but it is on one of your songs. The other one I will dismiss, the um, the Die For You, the Die For Me song, I will dismiss. But be warned, Post Malone, any further offences will, re- will get a harsh penalty from the Rhyme Crime Police. Um, so thank you very much, Radio Jabe and Radio Atomic Lukai, for writing in. We really appreciate you guys being on the lookout. And everyone be very cautious about any Post Malone rhyme crimes coming up. Uh, but without further ado, let's do this. 20th Century Boys Red Carpet Catastrophe! Red Carpet Catastrophe is where you guys recommend films that are universally negatively received, often box office bombs, but you think that they are fantastic films. In the past, we have had the Angry Birds movie. We have also had a movie called Land of the Lost, starring Will Ferrell. Um, This week, we are doing Movie 43. Um, Now, I thought that it was like some kind of superhero parody film based on like one picture I saw, but it turns out, I have watched it, I hope you've watched it too, it turns out it's like an anthology story film. It's kind of like, um, in a way, I guess it's kind of like Love Actually, but not like Love Actually is a very good movie, but it's kind of like, in terms of the structure of the film, it's like miniature stories that all kind of are linked by one overarching story. And this movie, it has a 5% critics rating on Rotten Tomatoes and a 24% audience rating. So it's like almost universally disliked by people and I took the time I took 90 minutes out of my short life to watch this film and I must say that out of all the movies I've had to watch for Red Carpet Catastrophe this movie was actually quite amusing and certainly not a Red Carpet Catastrophe at least not to the extent that critics want you to believe it is. This is a perfectly funny movie that you can sit down and watch with a few friends and enjoy. Like, I genuinely found lots of moments in this film pretty funny, and a surprisingly star-studded cast. Hugh Jackman is in this movie. Like, Hugh Jackman is in the first anthology segment in this film, 
which is a surprise because it's quite a low-budget film with, like, a $6 million budget. Very, very low budget. Chris Pratt's in the movie. Uh, who else was in there that I, that I like, uh, recognised immediately? Like, I'm sure there's more. Oh, like, a very young Chloe Grace Moretz, who's the girl from Kick-Ass. She was in it. Johnny Knoxville's in it. Halle Berry was in it. There was a lot of really, really big stars in this low-budget shit film, and it opens very strong. The first story is, like, this girl goes out on a date with this guy who's supposed to be, like, the best guy in town kind of thing. You know, like, good job, handsome, fit, uh, makes lots of money, uh, very kind, all that kind of stuff, and that's Hugh Jackman, and he's wearing a scarf to the date, and then he takes he takes the scarf off, and this is hilarious. Like I found this fucking hilarious. He has a ball sack growing out of his neck, <laughs> and this girl on the date is like, "Oh my god, why is nobody mentioning this ball sack on his neck?" And it that completely drew me into this film. I was like, "Oh, this is fu- that's fucking funny." Some of them were pretty bad. There's one about these kids that are being this kid that's being homeschooled by his parents and they're trying to make it as realistic an experience as possible, which opens up some really weird jokes about, like, incest and, like, um, bullying and stuff that surprisingly hits, even though I'm not usually into, like, comedy like that. Like, it's all... A lot of it is, like, really, like, non-PC, like, um, potty kind of humour, but it is... It's pretty funny. There's a there is one superhero segment in which a bunch of the DC superheroes are speed dating each other, um, and Batman is kind of taking over from everyone. This the this couple plays Truth or Dare on a date, and it just gets extensive. It gets more and more extensive each time. Yeah, I really really enjoyed this film. It was like quite good. It wasn't that bad a movie. Like it didn't seem to really have a point. The whole thing is framed as this writer is pitching these movie ideas to like a, a film studio. Um, and that gets out of hand as well. But there's like a little twist at the end um, in that story as well. Like I would, I recommend watching this movie. I really enjoyed it. And thanks for the recommendation. Looking at its Wikipedia page right now, I... Uh, it is It is apparently labelled as one of the worst films ever made, which is surprising to me because it, it kind of gave me the vibe of, like, there was a movie series in, like, the 2000s called Scary Movie, which was just, like, a, a satirical parody of all the scary movies that had come out around that time. They were really funny. And then they started doing, like, I think they did one called Epic Movie, which was, like a parody of all the, like, adventure movies like Harry Potter and the Narnia movies of the 2000s. Um, and they were, that was really funny as well. I really like these, like, really high, intense satirical movies, but they are often panned by critics. But you know what? Red Carpet Catastrophe is not how I would describe Movie 43. I would describe it as a decent comedy film that you could watch with some mates and have fun. So, there's that. Like, I, I'm surprised, because I genuinely thought I was going to hate this shit. Like, I hated Land of the Lost, but it was actually okay. Anyone who wants to submit a red carpet catastrophe, please submit it via any of the social media channels, or 1-800-GET-FUCKED, or via email. Uh, all of that is in the description to the podcast. Uh, let's do a little bit of this bad boy. Harry Potter and the Boys. A live reading by Radio Mike. You're a wizard, Harry. 
Man, I am so excited to get straight back into Harry Potter and the Boys, which is a regular segment on this show that I believe we missed last week. Um, but Harry Potter and the Boys is a Harry Potter fan fiction that I wrote when I was in year seven at school. Uh, and we're we're deep into this book. Like, we're 36 episodes into this podcast and we are like, you know, I think 15 chapters into Harry Potter and the Boys. And man, things are starting to heat up. But I can't even really remember where we left off last time because we might have missed it two weeks in a row now. The last I remember, we were in uh, the Pensieve, which is the memory machine in the Harry Potter series. And we were watching this weird memory of Mr. Charger as a student at Hogwarts who was involved in some weird fucking conspiracy thing at Hogwarts with another guy called Boris and Harry Potter and Ron Weasley came in. They were teachers at the time and tried to like stop them. But Harry Potter was anyway, this book's so weird. They get out of the memory and then Hermione is waiting for them. Rob and Michael, who are the two like main wizards and students in this series. And Hermione said to them, there's one more memory I want to show you and I hope you understand it more than I do. So let's continue in Harry Potter and the Boys now. Rob and Michael looked into the Pensieve. They plunged into the Pensieve and they landed in the Great Hall once again. Now, they saw Boris sitting on the Slytherin table. He was sitting next to Mr. Charger. Also, I just realised that Hermione wasn't in that memory very much, so how did she have it? Do you know what I mean? Like, in Harry Potter, I thought you had to have the memory to be able to revisit it. But I no, actually, you can get memories from other people. So maybe she must have done that. Who knows? They were both very small, and they were probably the same age as Michael and Rob were right now. It was their first year at Hogwarts, and it was the opening feast. So they, now we're seeing Mr. Charger and this mysterious Boris guy as first years. They were eating away. Boris started to whisper to Mr. Charger... The boys moved in closer to hear what he was saying. Okay, we're here now, he whispered. Oh, he whispered. Okay, we're here now, he whispered. You know what we have to do. We have to kill them. What the fuck is this? Why are they like murderous 11-year-olds? I know, whispered Mr. Charger. But look, quiet. Granger's watching, Boris interrupted. The boys looked at Hermione, and she was indeed watching the two boys. Harry Potter, who hadn't lost his memory yet, stood up. I want to say a few words before you get off to bed. Yeah, this is like the sensible Harry Potter we know. Because in the in the this book is set 50 years in the future, and in 50 years in the future, Harry Potter has lost his mind and he's a bit of an idiot. Uh I want you to be aware that, well, first of all, you, 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 and you, he pointed at four students, all have head lice. How does he even know that? Um, And second, I want you to be aware that this year, two students have entered the school that are dangerous. (laughs) What the fuck? Unfortunately, these two are unknown. So I want you to be... I want you all to be alert at all times, he said. And now, one more message that only you students will understand... Viole, Izzardsway, Najay, Hete, Chulse, Orfe, Vere, thank you, get to bed. So, if this is supposed to be a cryptic code, it's quite clearly 
um, Pig Latin, and it seems to... Ah, oh, hang on, let's just continue reading. It seems like they figured that out. Uh, the memory had ended. Vile is its way, Najay hate, chulse, orfe, vire. Rob repeated in his head. Well? asked Hermione. Pig Latin, said Michael. What? asked Hermione. V... What? asked Hermione. Vile is its way, nie, hete, chulse, orfe, vire. That would be, um... Evil wizards in the school forever. Evil wizards in the school forever. So that means they'll be here forever. Boris and Mr. Charger, that is. Pig Latin? asked Rob. Put the first letter of the word on the end and add A to the end. Oh, said Rob. Boys, you have cracked the code. When you receive your ninth ill-fated measure, come here to my office, she said. Oh yeah, the ill-fated measures, said Michael. Okay, we'll be ready, said Rob. So... Imagine, just imagine for one moment that J.K. Rowling used Pig Latin as a code in her book. Like, oh, the Chamber of Secrets has been opened. Hete, Hambache, of Like, do you know what I mean? You'd just, you'd, you'd be like, what the fuck? And then all the characters don't know what Pig Latin is, apparently, even though it's like a universally known thing. That cha- Okay, that's the end of that chapter. Some interesting stuff happened. Not the most exciting chapter. The next chapter is called Hidden Power, which seems very interesting. And it starts off with Derek, um, who hasn't appeared in the book for a while. Derek's like an idiot kid at the school who seems to be like a a major character that then doesn't appear in the book for like three chapters. But anyway, he's back. So that's that's Harry Potter and the Boys for another week. That is about all we have time for for the podcast this week. Please be sure to send in any rhyme crimes, red carpet catastrophes, any emails... Call 1-800-GET-FUCKED if you have anything you want to say. We would love to hear from you there. Um, any theories on Harry Potter and the boys, please send them, send them in. Join the Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash 20th Century Boy. Me and Jack's album will be out very, very soon. Uh, all the tracks, all eight tracks, including the first two singles are attached to string. And the Instagram song will be on that album, including... Uh, six other great tracks that we really like and can't wait for you to hear hopefully we're doing some more music videos as well but yeah other than that that's sort of it that's sort of everything at the moment um so all i really have to say is that my name has been radio mike and this has been the inside of my mind see you later catch you soon guys bye bye